0: How sweet is that little red-headed boy. Uh, I have a story is what he said, and I am thankful to be here today to talk to you more about story. Uh, if we have not met, my name is Amanda Hardiman, and I'm honored to serve on staff here at First Methodist Mansfield. Uh, like you've heard multiple times uh, through the video announcements and through your bulletin, we are starting a new series today called Story, uh, and we have a resource for you, uh, actually multiple resources, uh, that you can find at fmcm.org slash story. Uh, there you can find Find a one-page uh, group guide uh, that you can use in your small groups, uh, you can use just with uh, friends and family to kind of process the message, process this series, process what it means to have your own story. Uh, there's a playlist uh, there that you can download through Spotify uh, that captures all the songs that we will be uh, singing and worshiping with throughout all of our contemporary worship services throughout this series. Uh, and then you can also, if you miss worship one week, you can also uh, see the messages uh, for each week as well. So I want to invite you uh, to find that resource and to use that resource throughout this series. Uh, I am very excited about this series. We have been planning it for a long time. And the whole foundation of this series is based off of one statement. We all have a story worth sharing. We all have a story worth worth sharing. Now for some of you, you're like, yes, I do and I can't wait to do that. That's probably a very small population of you. For the rest of you, your heart's trembling a little bit uh, and you are not really ready for me to come out with a microphone and for you to tell your story and don't worry, that is not going to happen throughout this series and throughout today, but it is something that you should think about. We all have a story worth sharing. Many of us could say, you know what, I know this person in my life, and man, they have a story worth sharing. But the, the uncomfortableness of this series, the hard part of this series, is to process the fact that all of us, you, you have a story worth sharing. So over throughout the whole series, we'll be processing what that looks like in hopes that one day you are able to discover and to share your story. Today, we're going to be focusing on one question uh, throughout this whole message, and that is this, who are you? Who are you? Now, again, for some of you, I could ask you this question, and you could give a very quick uh, summary of who you are, but that is not what we're looking at today. We're looking at the core of who you are. And the reason why that is important to your story is because your identity shapes Your story, who you are at the core of who you are, shapes your story. Now, being just a human being, if you had to show some forms of identification, many of us could do that right now. We could pull out our wallets and show our driver's license, our Costco card, Uh, lots of different things identify who we are. We have birth certificates. For those of you that are students out here, you have your student ID. You have things that say your name that identify who you are. You are. But those are just forms of identification. They don't really get too deep on who you are. There are two life ty- uh, cycles, two life stages, that really focus on finding out who you are. They're toddlers and teenagers. If you've ever had a toddler, you know that this is true, that they spend their whole time figuring out who they are. And they use words like mine, or they start really saying their name over and over again. That is mine, or... This is who I am. They claim you as their parents, my mommy, my daddy, especially when people get closer to you. They work on their identity. They work on who they are. Then there are teenagers, right? And some of you are teenagers right now, and you're like, yes, amen. Maybe even those of you in your 20s, you're figuring out, who am I? What does this look like in my life? Who am I? Beyond this, who am I? But adults, were guilty of not following through on that path. We stop at teenagers. We stop at, like, I'm just not going to ask anymore. What's in my life? And going this way, instead of really stopping and pausing and asking, who am I? Who are you? Who are you? Now, the easy answers, like I said, if I were to ask you right now, you would use those easy identifiers that we get lost in sometimes, right? So you would say, I'm a husband or I'm a wife, I'm a mother or I'm a father. I work here and this is my profession. I'm a child, I'm a daughter, I'm a son, I'm an athlete. And those are really great things. Those are things that for me to say I am a mother and I am a wife and I am a daughter and I'm a sister and I'm a proud employee here at First Methodist Mansfield. All of those things are great things that I am proud of that make me who I am. But that is not all that I am. We don't stop there. Your story does not stop with the name tags that you may have or the labels that you place on yourselves and those things that maybe you get lost in. It's easy to get lost in the fact that you are a parent because for 18 years and more, you are responsible for somebody that need you each and every day, each and every moment. And it's easy to get lost in the fact that I'm, I'm a mom. And that's why so many times people look for more out there. Things are really hot right now in society Uh, to search deeper for who you are. The Enneagram. How many of y'all have done the Enneagram? Know your number? Uh, Love this resource. I can't tell you what a life-changing resource this was, Uh, not only for me and my husband, but for our small group. We know who we are. Like There's just a great definition of, yeah, that puts into words exactly who I am. And It's easy now to know who my husband is and to be like, yep. Those put into words exactly who he is. Our small group, we do life together knowing, yep, that is who they are. But things don't stop there. We have lots of DNA tests, those uh, ancestry.com things where we want to know more about our heritage and, and everything that has happened before us. Genetically, who are we, right? We are searching for those things in this society And those are important things that build off of things. Our identity is is like layers of who we are, and that's another layer. But today I want us to think about the core of who we are. Who we are in Christ shapes us. Who we are in Christ allows us to tell our story on a deeper level, beyond the labels we put on ourselves, beyond what is on our birth certificate or our driver's license, beyond our professions, Who we are in Christ shapes our story and who we are. Uh, So I was in Walmart one day with my son, and we were um, just going down each and every aisle. I don't know why, maybe we were bored. And we were going through, and he was like, I think I want a Bible. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, we'll go. We'll go get you a Bible. We'll go make this work, you know. And he's like, no, I want that one. And it was at Walmart. And I was like, this is like more of a Barnes & Noble's kind of opportunity and not so much a Walmart opportunity. Uh, So we bypassed that. You can judge my parenting in a minute. Uh, So we bypassed that opportunity for me getting him a Bible at Walmart. But I had this conversation with one of my coworkers and friends, and I was like, I just need to find the right Bible for my son. He has lots of questions and, and wants to know all the things. And so uh, one day I came to my desk, and there was this beautiful, perfect Bible for my son sitting on my desk. It is the Jesus Storybook Bible. And if you don't know anything about this, come see me after worship. I'm telling you, get on Amazon. Uh, you can even do it right now. Get on Amazon, get this Bible, even if you don't have children. It is beautiful the way that it talks and says uh, just the right thing. So uh, we started from the beginning, and we read it every night as much as we can and the first couple of pages explain what the Bible really is. And this is just an excerpt of what it says. The Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible, most of all, is a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It is a love story between about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, Everything to rescue the one he loves. It's the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in life. Then it goes on to say this. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all of the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. Then it hits your heart. If it hasn't hit your heart already, it says this. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. In the center of the story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He's like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all of the other pieces fit together. And suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. I love how this Bible explains that the Bible is made up of lots of stories that talk about one story, and this is why our stories are important. This is why everybody has a story to share is important, because all of our stories point back to the fact that every story whispers his name. Think about that for a moment. Every story whispers his name Jesus had his hand in shaping lots of stories in the Bible lots of stories are captured and and lives are changed because of what Jesus has done in people's lives the way he whispers into their lives and maybe even shouts into their lives every story whispers his name over the next six weeks we're going to look at different stories ways that Jesus has whispered into their lives and changed their lives forever. Today we're gonna to look at John 3, and so I wanna invite you today to open up your Bibles to John 3, John 3, 1 through 21. John 3, 1 through 21. It says this. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So we're seeing here at the very beginning, this is the story of Nicodemus. He has a name, that is who he is, his identifier, and also what he does. He is a member of the ruling Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. There's a lot in these two verses. So we know that this story is about Nicodemus, who was a ruler, a member of the Jewish ruling council, which is very, very high up and high standing. And he meets Jesus at night. Because it would be bad and against his character. And people would ask a lot of questions of why this highly educated man and the Pharisees are against Jesus. They are against the teachings of Jesus. Why this Pharisee would be going to Jesus, seeking out information from Jesus. So Nicodemus decided to go at night. And the question that he says is, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come for God, from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus says something bold. And against all the things that Pharisees do not believe. He says, you are the man of God. And these things would not happen if you were not the man of God. Then Jesus replied with this, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born Again, now listen to this highly educated, high-ranking Jewish man says this. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. That's gross. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water in the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at, at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So with everything, everyone born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus says this, how can this be? And Jesus replies, looking at this Jewish ruler, high-ranking official, and says this, You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you you people do not accept your testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe how then How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven except through the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and that that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So here is this highly ranking Jewish ruling council official, a Pharisee, that came in the darkness, that sought out Christ, searching for answers. On you are, I believe this is who you are. I believe that this is who you are, and it's against everything that I have been taught, or that I've inherited, my own identity. I believe this different thing. And Jesus does what Jesus does, right? And he flips the script. Instead of sitting down and really just going detail by detail with Nicodemus, he immediately says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old Nicodemus asked Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb mother's womb to be born Nicodemus and Nicodemus's story can be our story right that we think and we discount ourselves and we say, well, I'm just not a biblical scholar. I don't know a whole lot, so, so I can't tell you about the core of who I am in Christ because I don't know all the heritage and all of the things that are in the Bible. And here's Nicodemus, who is a scholar who knows all the things, and yet Jesus sets him straight from the get-go, flips the script and says, you need to be born again. And this isn't a physical birth, right? It's not what you say. you like. Of course that's complicated. That's not it. It's about being born of the Spirit. Being born of the Spirit. Nicodemus uses the excuse of how can I be born? How can someone be born when they are so old? And we do that too. I don't have a story. Christ can't use me because I am too old. Or let's flip the script again and say I can't, I don't really have a story. Christ can't use me. I'm too young or, I don't have a story. Christ cannot use me because I'm just boring. I don't have a story. Christ can't use me because what I have in my past is so broken and so far from who Christ is. We hide in the darkness, just like Nicodemus, we creep to Christ. And we say, I I don't know, I'm too old. I feel unimportant. My story is kind of boring and anticlimactic. I'm still in crisis mode, and I don't really know what the other side looks like. Nobody would understand my story, and I need to hide in the darkness. But Christ offers new life, a new chapter, a new story. Growing up, uh, I had one book that I was obsessed with. Uh, when I was young and learning how to read, my favorite book was Anne Likes Red. Uh, it is my, oh. I love it. Uh, that's my favorite, favorite book. And I remember uh, growing up. Uh, and if you ever have children, you know that they just pick one book. All of a sudden, it's the one that you, it's not the one you really want them to read. It's the other one that you're like, "Hey, let's hide this somewhere," um, because they just want to read it over and over and over again. I learned how to read by reading Anne Likes Red. It is a story of a girl that is given choices. Uh, hey, Anne, do you want this brown belt? Nope. I want the red belt. Uh, And over and over and over, given choices after choices after choices. These were the books. uh, This was the story that I made my mom uh, read to me, and then I would read to her over and over and over again. We have books like that in our life. We call, uh, when we get rid of them, we hide them, we call that going to the farm. Uh, We just find a little place to put those books uh, so that our son uh, doesn't bring it to us all the time because we got tired of reading the same stories again and again and again. The story captured my heart. I liked red because Anne liked red. I like red today. That's my favorite color, because that is what Anne liked so much. So growing up, that's what I would read, and then life happened, right? And uh, my parents moved a lot, and I moved a lot. Uh, and so one day, I really started searching for this book. I thought about this book, and I was asking my mom like, "Hey, do you know where that book is?" And she's like, "Oh." That no, was long gone. And I was like, you know, that's okay. I'll go. It's probably at the farm. <laughs> um, that's okay. I'll just go to the bookstore. So I went to lots of different bookstores uh, and could not find Anne Likes Red. Apparently, it was out of print, uh, no longer valid of a story for uh, for children. And so I just kept looking. I'd go to those weird little bookstores uh, that are old, uh, the half-priced bookstores of like, you know, all those books that were uh, in rotation way back when, and I could not find it. And then 2009 uh, hit uh, and I went through a part of my story where I was really trying to search for who I was. Part of my story is that I lost myself. I lost myself in labels uh, that I had given myself. I lost myself in my job. I lost myself in the crisis mode uh, that my family was in. So I spent a whole year, 2009, uh, rediscovering who I was. And it was a long journey. Uh, It was a year-long journey of me going to celebrate recovery and and exploring different uh, things in my life so that I could really figure out how to answer, who are you, and confidently say, this is who I am. So fast forward to Christmas in 2010. And uh, I was there with my family, my mom and my dad and my brother, and we were celebrating Christmas and we're opening up presents. And here was the book that I looked forward to so much. My mom had found a newly printed copy of Anne Likes Thread. And tears started just welling up in my eyes. And, oh, it was just a moment. And she said, open the book. And this is what she had written in the book. Always speak up for what you want. Always speak up for what you want. See, this whole time I read the story over and over and over again, it got to the point where we didn't have to read it anymore because we had it memorized. I knew every page. I knew every offering that they wanted to give. Anne. do you want a red hat or a blue hat? She wanted the red hat, right? She spoke up for what she wanted. Little did I know my story, my story was the fact that I need to speak up for what I want, that I have a voice, but I lost that story. I lost that story along the way. Life happens, and we lose our stories. We forget about all of our stories. We live day to day instead of story by story. And all the time we may not really see what our story is really about. What is your story really about? About One of my favorite things to do on vacation uh, is to find just people uh, that may be vacationing with us or or driving our taxi or serving us dinner and say, tell me more about you. Uh, Are you from here? Tell me more about you. I'm that creepy girl that says, like, tell me your story. Uh, Partly because I'm creepy, but partly uh, people just fascinate me. People's stories fascinate me. And I ask, tell me more about you. And all of a sudden, you figure out, well, they're not really from here. And this is what brought them here. This is why they're on vacation. This is why they work. This is why they drive a taxi. And all of a sudden, these people that you are just around, they're like, oh, there's a lady in a red dress or a man with brown shoes, all of a sudden become more to you. Because you know their story. You figure out who they are. And no more can you pretend that you don't know them. Your story matters. Your story matters. Now I know if I were to ask you, what is your story? That two different things come up in your mind fear and complication. Fear and complication. I have asked uh, staff of this church, hey, tell me your story. If you could just put your story in like two to 300 words and send that to me, uh, that would be great. And um, spoiler alert, you'll start seeing some of these stories on social media. But it's been a process, just even with our staff who have known that we're doing this, uh, who know that we're focusing on story, uh, and yet they have the same answers that all of you have because we're all human. And it is, I don't really have a story, or I don't know really what to share. Are you sure you want me to share my story? The answer is yes. But think about the fear that goes along with that. If I were just to to point to you and say, tell me your story, automatically fear enters you. You're scared to tell your story because you either don't think your story is worth it or you have no idea what your story is. We purposely put this series in a whole fall focus that we have called Be Brave Because it takes somebody to be brave, to sit down, to think through what is my story and who am I? We don't explore our stories of who we are beyond our identity, beyond what's on our driver's license or on our birth certificate or beyond our Enneagram number. We don't really go and search beyond that because we're scared of finding the truth. We're scared of putting into truth the words and the things that we have done in our lives that are just part of our stories. So we slip in like Nicodemus, and we go on from there. But it's time for us, during this time of reflection, during this time of asking ourselves, who are we to refuse to live in fear and instead to be brave? Refuse to live in fear and instead be brave. The other response that I hear all the time is, oh, where do I start? I don't even know where to start with my story. I don't even know in two to 300 words. That's that's a short time to tell a big story. We complicate our stories. We complicate our stories when really our stories could be simple. Every story whispers his name. Do you take time to look in the mirror and to think about who you are? Are. We complicate those. We make it bigger than what it is, or we make it smaller than what our stories really are. We make ourselves bigger than what we are. We hide behind masks, or we make it smaller and more trivial than who we are, the core of who we are. James Bryan Smith explains stories this way in his book, A Good and Beautiful God. When we have a significant experience, one that shapes us, we turn it into a story. For example, a powerful experience from childhood may have been a special birthday party where you got the gift you had been hoping for. You do not remember the event in exact detail. You remember it as a narrative. Who was there, what was said, how you felt, and what the cake looked like. Taking those experiences and making them a story. Your insignificant story that seems insignificant to you is significant to somebody else. Don't complicate your story. Simple stories change lives. Simple stories change lives. You've heard somebody else talk about what has gone on in their life, and instantly your life has changed because you're like, your story is my story. Your story is my story, and God builds off of that because every story whispers his name one of my favorite verses in the, in uh, John 3 that we have read is this uh, verse number 11 very truly I tell you we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen but still you people do not accept your testimony again I tell you we speak of what we know we will testify what we have seen but still you people do not accept your testimony This is everybody who says, I do not have a story. This is everybody who says that they feel insignificant or unimportant. This is everybody that says that I don't know who I am and who I am is not important. But here we are. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But we refuse to accept our testimony. It's time for us to accept our story. It's time for us to accept that this is who I am instead of going around in the darkness. Because who we really are, our identity, is accepting the new life of speaking what we know and testifying to what we have seen. Share those truths. That's your testimony. That's your story. Talking about what you know and what you have seen. That's your testimony. That is your story. So, our challenge today is to sit into verse 11 just a little bit. Let it resonate around you. Sit in it, read in it, and when you are ready, live that out. When I was preparing for this message, I knew that we would be talking about John 3. And I wanted to, and I'm just telling you uh, the truth, I wanted to skip all of what we read. <laughs> I wanted to skip all of Nicodemus, and I wanted to go right to John 3.16. Uh, because that is an easy scripture to talk about, right? All of us know, and I say John 3.16, you're like, I've seen that on a sign, and I've seen that on a poster, and I've seen that all around. We can talk about John 3.16. But the great thing about John 3.16 is when you read further, you need to know Nicodemus' story First that John 3.16 is part of Nicodemus' story. I never put those things together because I look at things verse by verse instead of picture by picture. Part of Nicodemus's story, part of the story of going in the darkness, seeking out Christ, looking for just these little answers and getting a whole new life, a whole new identity, is John 3.16. Part of his story is this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That means something different. When you recognize that this comes right after a man who felt like he was too old to change. A man who would say, this is who I am, this is on my ID, this is on my birth certificate, this is my heritage. But the Lord said, no, you deserve to be born again. And until you're born again, you will never understand your full story. That every story whispers my name. Because God loved the world. And he sent me. He sent me to whisper my name into your story as well. Who you are matters. Your identity shapes your story bit by bit, piece by piece. So sit in that. Think about that. Who are you? The thing about Nicodemus is in in John chapter 3, we don't know anything else. We don't learn anything else. We don't know what happens after that point. It goes straight to, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that's what I wish, that our lives would just be this beautiful bow, a beautiful package, and that is the end of my story. But we live life. We live life in a broken world. We live a life that, yes, every story whispers his name, but every story involves choices. Every story involves the fact that we know what we have seen and we know what we have heard and living out that testimony, but our stories are not over yet. Who you are is constantly evolving, the core of who Christ is calling you to be. Will you please pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for each and every person here, for the stories that they don't even know that they can tell for the ways that you have worked in their lives and the ways that you will continue to whisper into their lives. Lord, I pray that you be with each and every one of them. Help them to look in the mirror and see themselves for who you see, knowing that they can be born again in a new life each and every day and that you whisper into their lives, their stories, that they should be eager to share with others because their story is our story and their story is your story. Pray your holy name we pray. Amen.